Welcome to episode 346 of Live Happy Now. It's the start of a brand new year, and many of us use this time to set new goals. But this year, what if you used neuroscience to change your approach to those goals? I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I'm joined by Joseph O'Connor, co-founder of the International Coaching Community and author of 19 books on coaching, training, and neuroscience. His newest book, Coaching the Brain, offers insights into how to use brain coaching techniques and emotional intelligence to create a happier, more fulfilling life. He's here today to tell us more. Joseph, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thanks, Paula. I'm very happy to be on this show. You are a perfect person to have on for the first show of 2022 because a lot of people are trying to make changes in their life and you can't really make changes in your life without changing the way you think about what you're doing. And you are so big on coaching. And to start this, what do you think we all can benefit from by getting coaching? How long have we got? A couple of days? <laughs> <laughs> this is a series now. It just turned into a series. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, coaching is not therapy. It doesn't try and fix you. It's not training. It doesn't try to teach you anything. It's not advice or consultancy. It doesn't try to change the business that you're in. And but coaching is basically someone who will help you to reflect by asking very good questions on what you want, why you want it in the sense of not having to justify it, but what's important to you about that? Because heaven knows there's many more possibilities than we could possibly do in this amazing world. So we have to make some priorities. This is based on what's important to us and what we feel emotionally about. And then, of course, that would be straightforward enough if it wasn't for the kinds of ideas that we have about the limitations of ourselves or others. So coaches will often address that. So, you know, to make it really simple, coaching answers three questions. What do you want? No, rather, where are you now? Because you need to appreciate that in terms of your resources and state and everything else. Where do you want to go? So what do you want? And then what's stopping you? And the exploration of that is helping people to clarify what they want, clarify what's important to them, and to clarify any kind of murky ideas that might be stopping them. Oh, those are three excellent questions. And how do you unpack the answers with the people that you work with as they start discovering, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I want. What is your role as a coach as they give you that information? Well, my role, first of all, is to listen and to understand from their point of view. It's like, I don't have any answers. I'm not trying to give answers or solutions or anything like that, because everybody has their own answers and their own solutions inside them. And for me, it's a matter of if I listen, if I can ask some questions. I like the metaphor of, which you may have heard, I think it's a Zen metaphor, of the person who's looking for in the dark, and they're scrabbling around looking for something underneath the streetlight. And along comes a, a passerby and says, hey, what are you looking for? And the person says, well, I've lost my house keys and I can't get in. So I'm looking for my house keys. So the passerby says, you're yeah, great. Let me help you. So they look around and they can't find them anywhere under the streetlight. So the passerby says, well, I can't see them anywhere. Where did you lose them? And the person said, well, I lost them over there, but it's dark over there. And I can't see anything. So I'm looking in the light. <laughs> and it's a kind of weird story in a way, but it's what we tend to do. We look for answers in the things that we know. And if we're stuck, 
then you can pretty much bet that the answer is not going to be something that you know. Otherwise, you would be, you know, you'd solve it for yourself straight away. You won't need a coach. So the coach basically is the guy with a flashlight that says, okay, let's look over here then. And the flashlight is a question. And the question can be very focused, like a laser type flashlight, or it can be a great big floodlight, you know, light up everything over here. Let's take a look. And that's what a coach does. Oh, that's interesting. How did you get into this? Oh, how far back shall I go? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. If I go back to my time as a professional guitarist, many years ago, I started off, I was a classical guitarist. I was a professional classical guitarist performer, and also I was a teacher. And I used to teach many people, some of them extremely good. And what I used to do is they used to come in, they used to sit down in the studio. I'd say, get out your guitar and just practice a little bit. I'll go and make us some coffee or get a glass of water or something like that. So I did that. And what I used to do is I used to listen at the door before I came back in. And what I would hear, it was nearly always beautiful playing, really nice playing. So then I walk in you know, sit down, teachers here and say, okay, well, would you like to play the piece? And off they go. And immediately lots of mistakes and that's not so good and some fumbling. And I always thought even back then, what's going on here? Because their skill hasn't changed, right? I mean, you know, in the time that it takes for me to walk in and out, doesn't change their (laughs) skill. So their skill is the same. What's changed is their ability to be able to do it to the best of their ability. And because I'd listened, I knew it was good. So then there's something there, you know, we can call it the inner game, the inner opponent, something there that blocked them in that situation from giving their best. And at that level, my job was as much to help them technically. For the good players, it wasn't that really. It was about helping the inner game. It's about how can they give their best, which they can do, in a more stressful situation of a concert or Mm -hmm. playing to somebody else. And that's what a a coach often does, you know, in terms of business coaching or in terms of any sort of coaching. People are not able to give their best in a particular situation where they need to give their best. And it doesn't matter whether it's a musical performance, giving a presentation, teaching, training, sales presentation, doesn't matter what it is, helping them to give their best in that situation. So we want to talk today in particular about how to coach your brain for happiness. So, well, first of all, is that something everyone can do? Yes. I mean, when we say coach the brain, of course, (laughs) it's a metaphor. The brain is part of the body and it's not different from the body. So, of course, it's a very important part of the body. So when you're coaching the brain, what basically what I'm saying through that metaphor is our brains work in a particular way and they control to a large extent the sort of thinking that we have and the emotions that we have. And this is intricately bound up with our happiness, our state, our effectiveness at everything. So if you can then help somebody with their thinking and their emotions, which is primarily based through the brain, all decisions come through the brain, then that's a very strong leverage point in terms of helping someone to be the best that they can be. And you really differentiate between the emotion of happiness and a happy life. And what is the difference between those two? Because we tend to think if I have happiness, I have a happy life. If I have a happy life, I've got happiness. So how do they differ? Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Supposing you had the choice between 
a fantastic holiday, you know, all expenses paid out in your favorite place, wherever that might be, you know, skiing resort or on the beach or whatever it is. Okay, fantastic. Two weeks there, all expenses paid. The only problem would be that you would not remember a thing afterwards. Okay, complete amnesia. Right now, the other sort of holiday would be uh, your normal holiday. You know, you take it, you go somewhere nice and you'd have all the memories there. So which one would you take? I would take the second one because I'd want to savor it after it had happened. Absolutely. So there's more to happiness than just the emotion in the moment. And what there's kind of that little kind of story shows you that there's kind of two kinds of happiness. One is the immediate happiness in the moment. You know, something nice happens and you feel good. And we all know that one. And it's great. But that doesn't stay all the time. Of course, it fades. But if you're talking about a happy life, there's a lot more to that than just a number of feeling of the emotion of happiness. There's about memory. And we all know, unfortunately, that you can have very happy experiences in the past. But in the present, if things are bad, they don't count. You know, you'll just discount them or forget them. They won't count at all. You could say, I'm miserable. Even though it could be to up to a week before that, you've been pretty good. So I think it's important to think about, first of all, the emotion of happiness in the moment, which is great, which is what we all want. And it's very much allied with pleasure. And there's the kind of happy life of a life well lived that goes over time in memories with meaning and perhaps legacy of which those happy moments are an important part, but not the only part. That's very insightful. And you also talk about what neuroscience says about happiness and how to be happy because you apply that obviously in your coaching. Can you talk a little bit about that? Let's put it this way. When people come to coaching, they're not going to usually talk about happiness. They're going to talk about those challenges to them that are making them less satisfied than they are. So we're often talking about difficulties and anxieties. And my personal belief is that we all have a basic sense of happiness and peace. Let's call it kind of peacefulness, centeredness, whereby you're not jumping around going, oh, whoa, you know, I'm really happy. <laughs> but there's a kind of sense of, yeah, this is it. You know, I'm at peace. I know myself. I'm okay. And then, of course, that's punctuated by the jumping around and the happy emotion, which comes up fast, goes down equally fast. And, of course, the other stuff, which is, oh, no, I'm anxious. I'm afraid. All of those sorts of other things that get in the way. So sometimes it's a matter of if we can just, you know, clear out some of the stuff that gets in the way, people get back to that sense of themselves and their own peace that is much more lasting and satisfying than a series of very pleasant, happy experiences, which are great, of course. I'm not saying anything wrong with that, but uh, (laughs) they're not sustainable. Right. And then you're just constantly trying to find that next dopamine hit, get that happiness like back up in your life. That's it. And that makes you miserable. You know, the pursuit pursuit of happiness is a very strange phrase because if you're chasing after something, it implies you haven't got it. And as long as you think you're chasing it, you won't have it. The moment you've got it, you'll stop chasing it. So, yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, we don't think about that very much. That's interesting. So when you're coaching people, what would you say is the biggest obstacle that we create for ourselves in terms of changing our state of happiness or changing our habits? The biggest obstacle, I think, is the idea that we need something else out there to make us happy. And let me just expand on that. If you think to all the things that have made you happy in life, you know, I'm thinking back to the first train set that I got from my no, that's Christmas, cute. you know, and when I was married and my children and, you know, those magic moments that we've all got. And we can say, yes, I was happy at that time. I think what's interesting about that is it's the same feeling, you know. It's the same feeling. It's not like you get a different sort of happiness for the train set or a different sort of happiness for the great relationship or the different sort of happiness for that wonderful day on the beach. It's the same, which makes me think that maybe when we get what we want and we stop pursuing it, it kind of allows us to get that sense of happiness that's always been there, but which we were chasing somewhere outside of ourselves. So is a lot of it just kind of being still and recognizing what happiness we already have? Yes. Gratitude is a really important emotion. And there's a lot of neuroscience research on this, that gratitude is, if you are grateful, it makes you happy. Because people think of it the other way around. I've got to be happy. So I've got something to be grateful for. Well, sure. But you can also go it the other way around because you can always find something to be grateful for. You know, I'm not dead. Okay. Right. So right. I can be grateful for things. I can be grateful for this warm room. I can be grateful for this really nice sweater that I've got on. You know, I can be grateful for this computer. And if we're grateful for very specific things, you know, you don't go around saying, I'm grateful for, you know, something very general. Make it very specific. I'm grateful for this beautiful day. I went for a walk today. It was lovely. There was a cold winter sunshine and the trees looked wonderful. And I'm grateful for that. And that gratitude then kind of, I think, opens one up to more happiness. So don't wait to be happy to be grateful. Start being grateful to be happy. Yeah. And that's something we talk a lot about on Live Happy Now, because it's such a wonderful principle and it's so easy to put into place. So we love that. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And something else I wanted to ask you about is emotional intelligence. Because you say this plays a really key role in creating a happier brain. And can you tell us how? Well, emotional intelligence, I think, comes from four things. One is the awareness of your own emotions. You know? So you've got to know yourself. You've got to be aware of your emotions. Secondly, that would be the first step to then being able to manage them. And by manage them, I mean channel the energy in a constructive way. It's not about being a kind of Zen Buddha-like figure where you're never worried by any kinds of <laughs> anger or sadness or anything else. Everyone is. We're all human. But you can manage that energy, especially anger. Anger has a tremendous energy that if you channel it constructively uh, can work wonders. So managing that emotional energy. And then in the same way, being aware of what other people are feeling from the cues that you see and that you listen to. You don't want someone to suddenly break down in tears before you realize that they're sad. And then being able to manage that, being able to help them in such a way as, as to guide 
them to a better place. Then you can guide them. You can help them with that emotional state to kind of guide through to a, a better emotional state. This time has gone very quickly for us. Wow. And before okay. I let you go, there's something that you talk about that I really want you to leave us with. And that is you talk about how to become well-stressed and what does that mean? And then how do we do that? Okay. Well, when we say stress, the word has become part of our vocabulary to mean something bad. You know, I'm stressed. But actually what it means is you faced a challenge, a challenge beyond your capabilities at the moment. We talk about stressing muscles. You know, when you go to the gym, you stress the muscles in order to make them grow back stronger. So stress is not a bad thing in itself. It just depends. What is bad is a challenge that is far greater than your resources. So you feel you just can't deal with it. And something that continues to do that over a long period of time. So you talk about chronic stress. And what happens then is that you get a lot of cortisol that's released in the bloodstream. And cortisol is a stress hormone. Nothing wrong with it. It prepares you for action. You know, you need it. When you wake up in the morning, you get a burst of cortisol. It helps you get out of bed. So nothing wrong with that. The problem is getting too much or over a long period of time where it doesn't go down. Now, good stress is when you're challenged and you can meet that challenge. You know that you can find the resources and you meet the challenge and you grow as a result. And it's like a one-off, you know, you don't want that continuous challenge. That's what's really wearing. So good stress is when you get a challenge and we all need it. Otherwise, we just stay the same, stick, and you're able to meet it. And by doing so, you grow. And that's a good stress. That's awesome. You've given us a lot to think about as we enter this new year. We're going to give them more to think about because when they go to our landing page, we're going to tell them how to find you, how to find some of your great resources. You've got to terrific blog that, you know, you've talked about some great topics like meditation, some things like that, that people can, I think we'll get a lot out of. So we're going to tell them how they can find you and read more of you and learn more about what you do. Excellent. So, well, so thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this today. Thank you, Paula. That's been a pleasure. I'm very happy to talk about, happy to talk about happiness. I mean, <laughs> what could be better? That's right. That was Joseph O'Connor talking about coaching your brain for happiness. If you'd like to learn more about Joseph, download a sample of his latest book, Coaching the Brain, or follow him on social media, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast link. And a reminder, we still have some great deals on our exclusive Live Happy merch. Through January 7th, you can visit the Live Happy store and get 20% off everything in the store just by using the code HAPPY2022. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.